On this episode of Blue by 90, we introduce our new co-host. Then we move into some basketball talk. Obviously, we have to address Isaiah Todd and Josh Christopher. Those are big misses for us. But then we move on to some basketball recruiting news. Um, we look at where we think the recruiting class is going to wind up. Then we move into COVID-19 talk. I hope everybody's staying safe and social distancing. Uh, we talk about how COVID might impact sports going forward. Finally, we wrap it up with some Michigan football talk. So please uh, stay tuned for that. Um, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at BlueBy90. And then YouTube is at BlueBy90Podcast. So thanks for listening and enjoy the show. This is the University of Michigan. Welcome to Blue by 90, your Michigan Wolverines podcast. We used to be three dudes who talk maize and blue, but we have added a new host. We're introducing Ro. Ro, thanks for coming on the podcast here. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to join. I've uh, you know been a, a Michigan fan my entire life here, and, and I'm excited to, to talk with three other idiots about it. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, what what makes you a Michigan fan? Why why Michigan? Um honestly, I I really was uh you know, my dad was a Michigan fan, so it was pretty much born in me um from the beginning, but um even even uh when I was little, he was not as into it as I was. I was just a fanatic and and started, you know, back in the uh, in the nineties when things were going better than they were now, it seems, um, you know, I was, uh, that crazy person. I actually remember when I was a kid watching games on Saturdays. And then I would, um, when I had a Michigan flag and when Michigan would score, I'd like run out into the yard, waving the flag, like a psycho when I was like (laughs) eight years old or something like that. But, um, we used to score a lot back then too. So it was fun. Um, (laughs) But um, yeah, it's been you know I've I've uh, I've been around the uh, around Ann Arbor for a while now and, and been to quite a few games, uh, football and uh, basketball and more than that. So um, yeah, it, uh, it's just been it's been something that I've uh, you know been a part of for a long time and, and I think there's no going back now. Whether I whether I want to or not, we're we're kind of stuck with it. Yeah, of course. I mean, we all got those uh, childhood Michigan memories that stick with us. And so uh, we're glad to have you as a co-host on the show. And thanks for coming on board. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, unfortunately, we have to jump from the glory days to some kind of downer news this last uh, 48, 72 hours. Um, Josh Christopher and Isaiah Todd. Uh, Guys, you want to jump into some of that? Yeah, I mean, it was, um, I was talking with Roe, you know, that whole night expecting Christopher to sign at uh, 824 Pacific time. And, you know, we were staying up hoping it was that time or like we heard it might be midnight his time and that would be 3 a.m. for us. And, um, you know, we 1124 Eastern time where we're at, you know, he put a post up. I fast forwarded right to the end and saw the Sun Devil logo and I was like, God, God damn. 
And uh, yeah, kind of ruined my night. And then 12 hours later, Isaiah Todd, gone. He's he's going pro in uh, Europe or overseas somewhere. So we lost two top 15 recruits nationally in a span of 12 hours. So rough, rough time to be a Michigan fan for basketball. That's for sure. I feel like I'm kind of used to it, though. Like, I, I, when I heard this, I was like, eh. Like, I get it. It's like, you know, there's probably a lot of Michigan fans like, oh, my God, these guys didn't come to our school. Like, dude, whatever. I mean, honestly, like, these guys are going to be one and done anyway. I think we got a couple other guys. We got a lot of four-star guys this year. Like, maybe those are the types of guys that we that will be around the program for a long time and kind of help Jawan Howard kind of, like, get the ball rolling. I know it's nice to have like these guys, these kind of like one year type of deal. You know, they're really stellar athletes, but you know, sometimes when you're building the program, you know, sometimes you want guys who are going to be there for a couple of years. And um, I think too, like, look at, Hey, these are two five-star guys. They didn't come to Michigan, but John Beeline went to two national championships without any of that really, you know? So um, dude, it can be done. Uh, look at teams last year, like, Texas Tech and even teams like uh, I don't know, like one one team Purdue, right? They had went to the lead eight last year. You know, I don't I don't remember anybody from that team except for like Etwan Moore. That was it. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going off on a tangent. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> heartbroken. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, it couldn't be more on brand for. Michigan that even when sports are completely canceled we still get to get our hearts broken like somehow some way the universe Perfect. comes at us I, I don't know how that works or what we've done to deserve it but it still comes at us but um, I do think you know although it's disappointing and Juwan's going to keep going after five stars I mean if you think about it he didn't you know come into the picture until what uh, May of last year you know so um, he, these guys weren't even, um, these guys weren't even starting or weren't even contacted by, contacted by Michigan, um, you know, for the last however many months. So, uh, for, for us to even be in the picture was actually a win. I thought, you know, as much as it is disappointing because we, according to everybody, we had them and then, and then we did it. Um, um, so, and that's, a, that's really the game with five stars. It's, it's the wild West, 100%. And, and you are, you know, whether it's these guys are chasing a bag or looking out for, you know, themselves, one and only. They're not really in it for the team. And, and if you look at, um, uh, like Nate said, these guys or you are, there's aren't many teams that have actually won it with all those one and dones. You know, they, I think about Kentucky, even, you know, even when they went 38 and 0 in the regular season, they ended up losing to Wisconsin, you know, and so. I, outside of Duke, I think um, in it was a few years ago. I can't remember the year, but there there really haven't been that many teams that have had all those one and one and dones that have won the whole thing. It ends up that you need um, guys that want to play for you and veteran led teams, um, which is actually what we're going to have hopefully next year. Can I say this too with uh, Josh Christopher? Um, I mean Arizona State honestly is a great fit for him his brother goes there so to see that happen it's not like he was going to some absurd school we were we weren't you know expecting him to go there so for him to go with his brother makes sense honestly I mean he's a west coast guy 
I'm going to say it's hard to get people to come all the way up north, right? Dude, we know the winter sucks. Like, we live here. It's like six months you're just going, man, it sucks here, dude. It sucks, <laughs> right? Like, you can't blame anybody who lives in, like, L.A. for their entire life and then, like, oh, I'm just going to go, like, you know, to the frozen tundra and live there for four years. I mean, or, like, a year, but you know what I mean. No, that's a good point. Yeah, for sure. But let's jump into some of the uh, recruiting class overall. I mean, obviously, these departures, are, you know, not getting these recruits, I mean, is pretty impactful for the recruiting class overall. And then on top of that, some of the transfers. So let's dive into some of that. Yeah, so, I mean, the recruiting class, uh, I believe it's technically if if Jace Howard gets a scholarship we're ninth nationally but if he walks on we're 12th so we still I mean we still got a really good recruiting class we've got Terrence Williams who's uh the number 15 power forward in the class 85th nationally uh Hunter Dickinson who's a stud uh number six center in the country in that class and then 32nd overall uh Zeb Jackson who's been committed for feels like forever who's uh, 69th nationally and the 10th ranked shooting guard in the class. Um, so I mean, we've got we've still got a lot of talent coming in. Like, I don't remember the last time we had a recruiting class ranked that high, even with, like, under Beeline. Like, kind of Nate and Roe were saying, like, we haven't recruited these five-star, uh, four-star guys, really. Like, we get, you know, kind of not, not lower level, but, um, you know, guys that aren't ranked as high and they stick around. And then we have good teams that make deep runs in, uh, in March. So, I mean, those are some of the recruits we have. And then we've got Mike Smith, who's transferring from Columbia. Uh, was a point guard, looks like a solid scorer, um, plays a lot, played a lot at Columbia. He had, he averaged 37.7 minutes per game. There's 40 minutes in a game. He averaged I mean, he's playing over 90% of the game when he's in there. So um, hopefully he'll be a guy who can make an impact right away and kind of take over for Simpson. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to kind of see what happens next year and what the lineup's going to look like depending if Livers comes back or if he goes to the draft. I mean, it kind of sounds like he's going to come back because um, I think I read somewhere that the scouts were saying he may need another year to improve athletically and um, build up some other traits. But, I mean, his stats were – like he, I mean, he was by far the best player on our team last year. He was shooting 40% from three. His free throw percentage was 90, almost 96%. He was making with the free throw line. Um, but I mean, he's just, he's hope if he comes back, I have a very, very high hopes for next year. I like having Mike Smith on the team. I think that's kind of good because, uh, to get a kind of veteran uh, point guard, which is, I feel like something we're just like used to now as like Michigan fans, you know, I think that's a huge kind of benefit too for Juwan. I'm um, having a guy who, you know, knows how to run a system. Um, plus I just love his name, Mike Smith. I mean, how, how more generic can you get than that? Like, <laughs> well, sounds we like a from, Sims character. Yeah. <laughs> We went from uh, we we got screwed by two guys with two first names. So I'd rather have the generic name guy. We had Isaiah <laughs> Todd and Josh Christopher. You can never trust a, a guy with two names, two first names. I love a, right. a team like a Michigan team that just has like the most generic names like of all time, like like Bob, like <laughs> you know, I don't know, name something. Bob, Mike, and John, and Tim. You know. <laughs> 
Sorry. Well, we and we went from so this recruiting class. We went from um, the number one recruiting class in the Big Ten. We lost two five stars, and we're still at the number one recruiting class in the Big Ten. So I mean, that's huge. I think it, it, it's it says a lot about what Juwan is doing right now, and you know, I, I there was absolute hysteria and panic yesterday in the Michigan fan base. And it's understood because, you know, those are big, big recruits, but everyone's saying that, you know, we're not going to be good next year. We're, you know, going 500 and we can't do it. It's you're, it, it's way too soon to be saying that. And, and you have guys that are coming back and, and Eli Brooks and um, Brandon Johns, who emerged at the end of the year, Austin Davis is coming back for his fifth year, who is going to help Hunter Dickinson tremendously. He's got, you know, Austin Davis, to me, was the most improved last year by far. And with his, you know, offensive game and leadership styles and things like that, Hunter Dickinson is seven foot two. So if you thought Teske was big, he's even bigger. Yeah, he's huge. And so um, for him to be that big already, put him in Camp Sanderson for a year, this dude's going to be legit, you know. And so – we're going to have some some freshmen getting some minutes next year for sure, um, especially with DeJulius' departure. You know, we, we're going to have some – probably Zeb come in and play some minutes in the uh, um, in the guard role. And, and so, I mean, when you look at what we lost last year, Simpson played 33 minutes a game. Teske played 27. DeJulius 20. And uh, Castleton 8. So, you know, when you're looking at that, that's a lot of minutes to, uh, to replace. But – um, we're gonna and we're gonna have to replace um, or get some of those young guys and just kind of throw them into the fire right away. Um, and especially because Juwan, unlike Beeline, who had a seven-man rotation and would never even, you know, rarely go to an eighth guy, Juwan's playing 10, 11, 12 guys in a game. So there's a lot of guys rotating, getting minutes, which I like because these young guys need the experience, especially you know. In early in the year and in, in, in those Big Ten games. And so um, I like this class. I mean, it's still top in the Big Ten. You know, having a 10th or, sorry, 12th ranked um, recruiting class in your first year coaching, never even been a head coach before. I mean, come on. We got to give props to Juwan Howard uh, where it's, you know, where it's deserved here. Yeah. Yeah. And even somebody we forgot to mention, Franz Wagner. I mean, yeah. he was the guy in the beginning of the year, honestly, I didn't think he should be playing in there at all. He looked like a friggin' baby deer running down the court. <laughs> he just looked lanky and uncoordinated. But, I mean, throughout the year, he improved, like, tremendously. I think he's a great defender. Um, he's a great – I mean, he's definitely improving as a shooter. Um, so I'm excited to see what – if he could improve that much from the beginning of last year and coming back from an injury to the end of last season – I'm I'm very excited to see what he can do this coming season with an under year under his belt, another off season to be able to kind of fine tune some things. Um, I mean, we like you guys were saying, like we got to put it all in perspective. Like Juwan Howard's got a 12th ranked recruiting class in his first recruiting class. We've got a ton of talent coming in still, and we've got exper- experienced guys that are um, sticking around and possibly livers might even be coming back. So we will definitely be way better than a 500 team. Yeah, I mean, my gut is telling me that both Franz and Livers come back. Livers has been on the record to say that if it's not a, a guaranteed deal, then he's not going. And the guaranteed deals stop at the end of the first round. And so he's yeah. the hundred. He's a one hundred on the draft board. 
Um, so I don't see him him leaving. You know, he's doing the right thing by testing the waters. I don't blame him at all for that. Um, he's checking it out, and so is Franz. And so um, I see both of them coming back, which are huge. Um, and then, you know, with Mike Smith coming in too, you know, there's uh, the difference last year that I saw was, you know, when Livers was out, we needed Brandon Johns to come in and hit threes. And he did some of the time, but it was Sometimes, just such yeah. A, yeah, it was just such a different lineup. So if you have, you know, those guys come back and then uh, Mike Smith comes in and, and if he can be that elite uh, three point shooter for us that comes in and bangs those out, I mean, that's going to make a huge difference because I last year um, and I'm hoping he improves, you know, Nunez was supposed to be that kind of eighth or ninth guy that comes in and, and hits shots and he just never did. And so for even if, even if Mike Smith um, has lesser minutes, um, which I don't think he will, but even if he did and he could come in and hit the occasional three, it really gives us a, a big, a big bump um, in what we're doing. Right, so it sounds like Juwan is really putting together a good squad here. Um, but what's kind of the expectation coming out for next year? I mean, where where would we expect this team to finish, and where will we be disappointed if they didn't make it there? I mean, personally, I think I would expect this team coming in, again, with Livers coming back as a big factor, I'd expect this team to be better than last year. Honestly, personally, I loved Xavier Simpson. I thought he was a great leader. I thought he could be a great scorer when we needed him to be one. Um, but I, th- I think Mike Smith can be that guy. And then with all the talent, at fresh the freshman talent that we have coming in, uh, and Franz, the way I think he can improve, I mean, I think we're top – top three team at least in the big 10 next year, like should expect a big 10 title. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to say should expect a big 10 title. I think that's probably a little bit, I think it's a little too much. I don't know. I'm still on the very like conservative kind of, okay, let's just get a win in the tournament. You know, I think the team we had this year, I'm pretty confident that they would have won one game in the tournament, right? That was my expectation for that team, right? Now, I I think it's like, okay, let's take it up another level. Let's pretend that we won a game this year in the tournament, right? Let's get two. Let's get to the Sweet 16. I think with the amount of talent, like you said, Livers, Wagner, um, guys coming in, um, guys who are experienced, right? Sweet 16 should be the expectation, Um Maybe Big Ten Championship might be a little bit too much, I think, right now. But I, I would say, you know, top top three, four finish in the Big Ten, Sweet 16 title, um, or Sweet 16. I think that would, I'd be cool with that. Yeah, I mean, How the thing is that what happened this past year is we came out absolutely on fire in Atlantis. And – Without Atlantis, we wouldn't have had any expectations at all, right? Like, we came in this season, you know, thinking, all right, 500, you know, maybe make it to the tournament, and this is a win. We under, you know, how many people in a coaching change like that, especially so late in the year, you know, how many teams really do as well as they did? I thought they exceeded expectations. But the fact that we came out and beat those teams that we did, the Gonzaga and Creighton's early in the year, 
all of a sudden it was like we're a top five team, you know, when and and we fell off. And so I I don't, you know, without that happening so early in the year where we it seemed like we peaked, we really did after, you know, all set, after it was all said and done, we exceeded expectations. So um, with that being said, going into this year, I think at the end of the year, our expectations were brought down a little bit because we ended the year on kind of a skid and a low point. Um, so I would say, but I, I agree with Jack. I don't see, I'm not going to go ahead and say we're going to be the favorite to win a Big Ten title, but we should be contending. Um, and the thing is, if you look around the Big Ten, there's not really another team. It's probably going to be very similar to it was this year where everyone's beating up on each other. You know, it's a very competitive league. I don't see any one front runner, um, especially with Michigan State losing Cassius Winston. Um, so without without Cassius, I mean, I don't know who's even going to be their point guard. Probably Rocket Watts. I, I know it's not right, going to be Foster. Yeah. So, um, so who knows what's going to happen with them. But um, I, I saw, you know, people were kind of dogging on Mike Smith and saying, um, you know, he killed it at Columbia, but he'd be the – 12th best point guard in the Big Ten. I can't even name another point guard in the Big Ten now. So I don't know where those those uh, points are being, um, you know, are coming from. But I don't see there any reason why we can't be in the top, uh, you know, three or four, like Jack said, in the Big Ten um, competing for a championship next year. Well, good. I like this because uh, Jack gives me the optimism and then Nate brings me back to reality and then Roe puts it all in perspective. So <laughs> good. Now I, now I know where to, where to root. Okay. Um, well, switch topics a little bit here. Uh, obviously, we got all the COVID stuff going down now. We're all in quarantine, staying at home, and uh, we're testing out the uh, Skype podcasting here. So far, so good. But... Um, seeing as how this could go on further into the year and it could affect fall sports. Right. And so it could impact, you know, football season. So how is COVID going to impact sports going forward for the rest of this year? What do you think? I, I know Roe had a really good point on this and we talked about it the other day. So I'm going to, I'm going to let, I'm going to let Roe take this one right away. <laughs> Well, um, I saw Dr. Fauci said that, um, you know, sports can go on right now if we don't have crowds, right? So as I think that actually could be the best thing possible for Michigan football this year is if we don't play football without crowds. <laughs> and the reason for it is game one and game 12 are going to be probably our two hardest games this year. We're on the road at Washington to start the year. And then in Columbus, where we haven't won since I think I was uh, in diapers. And so um, without crowds, um, you know, with the way Don Brown runs his defense, we give up a, a touchdown on the first drive just about every single game. If we were to go into Washington, give up a touchdown on the first drive, their crowd's going absolutely bonkers. Same thing in Columbus. And then we get into a hole, we're not mentally tough, and all of a sudden we look and, you know, we're six minutes into the game down 21 nothing. Without a crowd, they can go score. We can regather ourselves. There's no fans to, to get our team, you know, all rattled, and then we'll be all right. So that's my hot take on, on having no crowds and how it can be just a, actually a positive for Michigan football this year. 
I think you're 100% right. I mean, I love this. Uh, I mean, that uh, Washington Stadium is supposed to be super loud, right? So mm-hmm. that would be huge benefit for us because apparently we have like the weakest egos ever in sports. So yeah, I would. I'm all for it. Say though, too. Here's what happens: they win all the games. There's no crowd, and then you get all the people going like. Harbaugh didn't do any. He, he, <laughs> they just start crying again. I mean, just expect that to happen. Just expect that to happen. Nothing positive will ever be said. Period. So just just plan on it. <laughs> oh, fine yeah. bomb or crazy if they. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'll just they'll come up with anything to create some crazy story. Yeah. And well, the one thing that I'm that I'm worried about with. Uh, you know, no fans or anything like that. I mean, obviously, this is a very serious pandemic going on, and um, this is a very trivial concern, but tailgating. Like, that means no tailgating. I can't tailgate? It's the best time of the year. I mean, this that's, I what, I, that's what keeps me going for the, you know, six months of off season. I don't know what I'm going to do if we can't have tailgating. We're going to have to host, like, uh, Zoom calls for people to <laughs> join in and tailgate with us. Seriously. Yeah, we could we could do a bar uh, stools like Instagram page and just spend like three hours there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm another thing um, regarding a lot of this, you know, staying at home. It's impacting recruiting, obviously, but it's also impacting the team's ability to gather and practice. Right, a lot of these teams are missing out on uh, winter practices, summer practices. Um, all that kind of stuff. And so that could tie over into um, the QB battle, right? So right back to Joe Milton versus Dylan McCaffrey. Any update on that since we last talked about it? Yeah, I think, well, and and you guys haven't heard any of my takes yet on Milton and McCaffrey. So um, I know there's a, some differing opinions in this crew. I am on the McCaffrey train, so let's make that clear right now. I think that um, <laughs> I think that McCaffrey is the more you know stable guy. He's the more Harbaugh type guy who he's going to make the right decisions, not you know throw into double coverage and force things, which is uh, what Harbaugh has really tried to do since he got here. With you know starting with Rudock and Spate and and even Shea, you know Shea started and came in as a guy who's just gonna you know run around with his head cut off and throw it anywhere he wants and and Harbaugh took him down 10 different notches and made him uh, into a guy that wasn't gonna make those uh, mistakes so I think McCaffrey's more his style although Milton is is definitely a guy with unlimited potential it seems because he's got the arm he's got the body he's he's um he's a big boy and so uh, but I am on the McCaffrey train for sure because I think he's the the guy who's gonna, um, you know, over twelve over a span of twelve games, um, he's a guy who can who can get it done, especially being a leader. Um, and so I think that as far as COVID nineteen and how you know they haven't been able to train, it's a hundred percent advantage McCaffrey um, because Milton's the guy that I think is probably gunning to take McCaffrey's job right now. Um, McCaffrey got snaps last year. Um, and actually, yeah, he's gotten, he's gotten way more snaps than Milton has. I think it was a clear that last year McCaffrey was the two and, and Milton was the three. So I do feel for Milton here a little bit where he hasn't, uh, gotten the chance in spring ball 
um, to show what he can do. But um, it'll make the decision much harder for Harbaugh and Gaddis in the come, you know, August if we do have football and, and uh, training camp. 100%, 100%. Nate, tell me why Joe Milton is the guy. And, you know, I'm super biased just because, like, when he was in high school, I was like, that's a dude. That's what we need. <laughs> that's Cam Newton. Cam Newton 2.0. Let's just, let's just go with it. Just put him in as a freshman, you know. I'm that type of guy, and I'm sure a lot of people would hate me for that. But, dude, I just think – I just think a guy like that who is that type of arm and let's dude, I think he's, he's pretty shifty and he's pretty fast. Like, I mean, I, I really think that uh, he's a type of guy who can take us up that next level. Like you can win a championship with that type of talent. You can win a championship with that period, you know? And that's what I want. I want a championship so I can just, no, like I, said, I don't. I, I'm not 80 years old. Feeling like a Cubs fan, okay? <laughs> well, he makes a good point, though. I mean, Milton was the guy gunning for McCaffrey's job, and now he's not getting the reps that he needed to improve, right? So, I mean, I, I definitely understand that perspective, and I think you're right on the money, bro. Jack, what do you think about that? So I'm, um, I'm with both of you. For, and, I'll, and I'll explain myself. So McCaffrey, like you said, Ro, he's a stable guy. Like he, we know what we're going to get out of him. Honestly, I think he's under, his athleticism is highly underrated. He is fast as hell. Like he can, if he he's needs to escape pocket, he's a McCaffrey, right? Like his brother is, man, 16 million a year. I wish I was making that. But, uh, <laughs> but McCa- I think it's McCaffrey's job to lose. I think, and I do think we can win with McCaffrey. I think he was, I think he was the guy that should have been playing last year. And the thing where it makes it difficult that we're not going to have spring ball and there can't be this competition is Harbaugh has seen McCaffrey for what, two, three years now? Where Milton has only been there for one or two years. And if they can't really battle it out in, in the spring to really, you know, separate each other. Um, I think that hurts Milton for sure. But, but Nate, like you said, man, he's Milton's the type of guy that would go to Ohio state or LSU or Alabama or like a, a Texas, like a big name school like that. And we'll just like make highlight play after highlight play with that big arm. And I mean, I'm a guy, when I play NCAA or NBA 2K. I'm shooting three pointers and I'm throwing hail marys. Like that's that's what I want to see. Is I want to see deep balls and I want to see you know wide open receivers that get just hit right in the money. So I I believe it'll be McCaffrey's job. I think he's earned it. But if Milton's in there, I will not be upset at all. Dude, I'll tell you what. I will not be upset this year if somebody can just throw a deep ball, just throw <laughs> a deep ball, like and make it on target. Like that's, I'll be happy. So just, just not yeah. overthrow it. Just let at least give him a chance, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, you know from from inside Shen Beckler Hall last year, um, especially early on in training camp, the word was that McCaffrey, talent wise and everything else, was by far the best quarterback in that in that uh, QB room, but. I think Harbaugh is super loyal to his guys. He's, you know, he was 
he really was loved Shay as a QB and as a person. I'm not not sure why, but um, <laughs> he he wanted you know that guy who had had the experience and and all that stuff. But um, it I, I think we we you know we're going to be good either way. And I, I think having two two guys that, that are very, you know, good and could do the job is, is huge for us. If you look back at, you know, Ohio State in 2014, they had three different QBs on their way to a national title run. You need to have that depth. And and one thing with COVID-19 is if it was, you know, if they got through spring practice here, say COVID-19 didn't happen and they got through spring practice here and, and Milton realized McCaffrey's, you know, the starter, he would have been looking at transferring, but now he's probably not going to have that option. So we're for sure going to have him, I think, come come August and September, um, which, you know, selfishly as a Michigan fan, I want him to stay and, and I want us to have a deep QB room, which I think is, is key, especially with injuries that McCaffrey has, has had in the past. That's a good point. Yeah. Great point. Yeah, great point. Um, well, we also, you know, they say you set up the pass with the run and, uh, we got a lot of good running backs here coming in. Right. I mean, uh, well, we have a great running back room and then we have Blake Corum coming in great running back. Uh, what do you guys think about, you know, our slowly developing, you know, RBU coming soon. Right. I mean, what do you think about that? Um, I mean, I think we have loads of talent. I mean, Charbonnet is obviously very talented, had a, I think, successful freshman year. Haskins kind of emerged out of nowhere. And to, right now, he's my he's my number one on the depth chart. Hassan Haskins is my number one. Uh, Chris Evans is back. And he had, I mean, his freshman year was unbelievable. Um, and, then, and then Blake Corum's coming in. I know, Nate, I know you're super high on him. Like, I like him. He's fast. He's strong. He seems like uh, just a monster out there. Um, but again, it, it depends on the O-line and kind of like how they develop. We lost four starters, but um, to stick with the running backs, I I, God, I, I hate myself sometimes because I get so optimistic and I'm so like tunnel vision <laughs> for like Michigan football. But I mean, we've got to have one of the most talented running back rooms in the country. For sure. I mean, I, our recruits are just killing it there right i mean i read something about zach charbonnet and i can't remember i think it was an article in sports illustrated um the guy was saying charbonnet might get similar snaps that he got this year so don't expect him to be rushing for a thousand yards and uh you know 20 touchdowns or something like that because the room there's so much depth in that running back room right you're gonna have uh, Chris Evans and Hassan Haskins, and I'm sure they'll even put Blake Corum in there. So, so I I think the the problem there is, I mean, we can have all the depth in the world, but you got to have your number one guy. I think you have to pick one. It's just like a quarterback. You know, you obviously can do it by committee sometimes, but if we're you know splitting up snaps between three four people. Nobody can get into a rhythm. And it's, you know, if you look at Ohio State, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, I guarantee you they have a backup five-star that's sitting on the bench and not getting many snaps, right? Dobbins last year was the guy. You know, they had a, they have studs that are sitting on the bench. 
we can't just be like, okay, these guys have talent. You know, we need to get them some snaps. Pick the guy and let's go with it and, and get them into a rhythm. I want to see Charbonnet or Haskins or whoever it is get 20-plus carries a game because it seems like, you know, all of a sudden, you know, a guy is killing it. He's seeing the field. He's seeing the holes. And then all of a sudden he's pulled and we don't see him for four more plays. You know, it's, fr- it's frustrating from a fan's perspective because I felt like we didn't have much consistency last year and in, in, in the past. You know, I felt like with um, Higdon and, and Evans, we had a good one-two punch there. Um, and it was just them two. And, and they split the snaps, you know, pretty well with Higdon obviously getting the more, um, the, the better of them. But um, I, I, do, I can't, you know, see us going, well, I can see it happening, but I don't want it to where we have, you know, Haskins, Charbonnet and Evans, and then maybe Blake Corum getting in there all in one game. That's none of these guys are going to be able to get into a rhythm and really get going in any game. And well, that's good too, because like when we look at, like you said, Alabama, when they had that string of, I mean, it's the string is still going. They had Mark Ingram. He was, he was the guy, but they still had Trent Richardson back there. Then when Trent Richardson was the guy, they had Derrick Henry back there. Now, now they've got Najee, and they, they've got their they've got their number one guy that they can go to. And then if we need, you know, like to take a break and give the guy, you know, a breather, then we've got a number two to put in there. But when you do it by committee like that, and there's three or four guys that are going in, um, or even just two guys that are switching out in a series, you know, yeah. it kills the rhythm. You know, everybody has their own tendencies, and it's I mean, it's got to be tough for the O line to kind of help block for them if they each running back has their own tendencies and they don't know what to do. So um, I, I'm with you on that. We need to have a number one running back. I hope it's Haskins because I think he, he showed a lot last year and I liked it a lot. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm hoping they pick a number one and they kind of just let that be as it is. And I'd, I'd rather not see a running back by committee. I, I, I would disagree. And, and the reason I would disagree is because like when you have, Guys who have different talents, it opens up the playbook more, right? So you can do a lot more different things, right? So I think you do have a lot the, – the, the things that I like um, – so, like, Charbonnet is a guy that you can give the ball to. He can run up the middle. He's kind of like a power back, but he does have, like, some elusiveness, right? And now you get somebody like Blake Corum, who's, like, a small guy. He's hard to see. Um, he's super fast. He can hit the hole hard. Um, and he can really – he's really shifty, and so – I think you can do a lot with a player like that. Um, and then I also think guys like Haskins, you can like rotate in. Um, I think Chris Evans is a solid guy. You can set him up in like any different way. So I think as a whole, um, I think it's better to just have them know what, know what kind of plan you want to have going into the game and then try and execute that. And then you also have the opportunity to see in the first quarter, Hey, is my, like what, what's, what's working, what's not right. And you can adjust from there. So I think obviously the more talent, the better. That's my kind of approach on it. I would like to see some guy emerge though, and be like, that's the guy, you know, I think we have been missing that at Michigan where it's like that dude, thank God we got that dude on our team because I mean, he's winning the game, you know, Ohio state has had an it guy on their team since I can remember, you know, Maurice Claret. Oh, they, they're one. They won. That's it. Screw all the other players. They got that <laughs> dude, and that guy's taking them to the promised land, right? 
Texas, right? Oh, Vince Young. Oh, game's up. Game's done. Without him, they're not even there. Like, you need guys who are going to emerge and be so good that the other team can't stop you, right? So I think, I mean, that being said, we need a line. (laughs) 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 I'm saying just no line shows up. But I'm really hoping that a couple of these guys emerge, but I'm really hoping that they do work all these guys in and try and confuse the defense. Because I think Gaddis really, really wants to be able to open up his playbook. And I think last year, Shea had no arm. So it was like, well, we got to just run the ball. And then, you know, you put eight people in the box and it's done. You know, they're not going to get anything. So, Well, this does really scare me, the fact that we don't have enough practice time and we have all these new linemen, right? I mean, this is where I'm really happy that we have Ed Warner. And I'm like, okay, at least I know we got a really good coach. What do you guys think about the line? I think we got, what, four replacements there? Four. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm pumped for Mayfield. I think he is an absolute stud. He's an athlete. He can move around really well. He's strong. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was the guy who shut down Chase Young in the Ohio State game last year, right? That's what I heard. I thought it was right? British, so, I mean, right? No, because Chase Young's—he's an edge. He's a defensive defensive end. So, like, he be coming because Bredesen's a guard. So, um, I mean, I'm sure Bredesen was on there to like double team him at times. But I think I believe Mayfield was the guy that was on Young, and I, I mean, he did obviously an amazing job. So I'm I'm excited to see him. Filiaga was a big recruit um, when he signed with us. He was a four star guy. I'm pretty sure played like Army All American game. Um, I believe he's projected to be a starter. Um, a couple of, couple of random guys that I honestly can't put a name out there, but Ryan Hayes, I remember Ryan Hayes played a little bit last year and, uh, I'm pretty sure he was a converted tight end that they turned into, um, a tackle and he, I mean, he's super athletic. Apparently Warner loves his basketball players. So, um, Ryan Hayes played basketball or something in high school and football, so he's another athletic guy. I think he's projected to play left tackle and Mayfield to be on the on the other side. Um, as far as the other two guys, I can't think of their names, but I'm I'm excited to see what they can do. Um, I think we'll have two athletic tackles, which will be great um, to stop the edge rush. Um, but I mean, of course, it's 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 about the line to get the run game going. You can't do anything without an offensive line, so um, I'm interested to see what they do because we're gonna have four new starters. And it's and especially like we we don't have spring practice to be able to have these guys all together working together in sync um, for all the plays we need to run. So obviously I'm nervous, but uh, I, I believe in Warner, and I, I think there's an upside for sure. Yeah, I think that the thing that we'll struggle with most is on on the offensive line. It's similar to you know when a basketball team is is. Um, coming in and practicing together and playing together. You have to know, you know, where the other guy is at all time and know their tendencies and, and working together is more important than it is if you're the biggest guy out there. You know, you have to know that the guy next to you is he's going to take your gap and, and you're going to take the next gap and, and stuff like that. And it's going to it's gonna be tough for these guys with no um, no spring practice to – um, to work together and get to know each other and, and know each other's tendencies. Um, and so I hope they're, you know, maybe they're social distancing in someone's backyard right now, uh, you know, lining up against a, a couple of dummy pads or something like that. But 
um, yeah, that's going to be the biggest part, especially with COVID-19 for us, you know, bringing these new guys in because it's, you, you just have to work together as one unit um, as an offensive line. And, and to me, that's the most important thing more than, you know, being 350 pounds and, and uh, being the strongest guy out there. Some of my thought too, is I think, like, I'm not, I'm not necessarily planning for the fall to, for that to be the season. You know, I, I really think, you know, you're going to have a lot of coaches come out and say like, Hey, this is garbage. Like I need to get my guys prepared. Like, you know, guys like Nick Saban or, you know, going to be like, just throw a fit. Right. And then, you know, and it makes sense, right. If you don't have time to prep the way that you normally do, like, um, you know, I think that's a disadvantage and, um, you know, you, you throw guys out there, they've only had a, you know, a couple weeks of practice and get them warmed up, you know, more potential for injury, uh, I think they should move the season back to the spring, get it warmed up. Uh, I really, I look at, Hey, everybody's saying like, you know, you know, June, I mean, are we going to, you know, who knows? So like, if this is really going to play out through the whole summer and then we got to keep social distancing and all this stuff, like how do you get 60, 80 guys in a locker room, like making sure everybody's like, you know, safe. Right. So I think it would be a smart thing to move the season back, just have, instead of spring ball you get fall ball right and then you know kind of i don't know i'm not the, problem, I don't know the dude making these decisions do you should see that uh mike pence he met with uh some of the ncaa like college football like board or something you guys see that mm-hmm. i didn't i missed that what was that all about um it's pretty much that <laughs> nothing and, came out of it he just kind of yeah, met was, with them it was just kind of like Eh. Yeah. they're just talking about like pro football compared to college football right and so like they're talking about for instance like the nba they're saying hey we can like play the rest of the season out but we're gonna have to do it under like these certain circumstances right players are gonna have to be in a hotel they're gonna have to be tested every two weeks and then they can go out and play and what i think a lot of the ncaa guys are saying is we don't have that capability and we, these kids are going to prat, like, you know, they're going all over the place, right? They're meeting with their friends. They're uh, uh, going to class. They're interacting with a lot of people, um, especially like college campuses, which are really big, like international kind of hubs to, to a point, right? So they're a little bit nervous about, you know, it's like, yeah, it's easier to do this in the NBA, but it's a little bit more difficult to do it in college. So right, okay. um, that's pretty much all that came out of it. So. And- and that's a big thing too. These guys are in college, right? Like, if if it's not safe for fans to gather in a stadium, how are we going to deem it safe for them to be on these kids to be on a field playing football against each other, right? Like, I I was listening to I think it was either Get Up or First Take on ESPN, and um, you know that just if they do that, that makes this that just takes the amateur right out of it, and like they should be getting compensated. Because that's, it's ridiculous, right? These guys are student athletes. And, um, I mean, obviously, I want to see a football season. But if that's the case, I mean, I, I honestly, I would be shocked if we have a football season from everything well, that we've heard with everything that's going on. So I I hope we I, do. But I saw a stat today that um, the NFL's uh, ticket or the NFL's total revenue Ticket prices and, and ticket revenue is only 15% of their total revenue. For NCAA, it's up to, it depends on the university, but it's up to 75%. So it's 
So that they're they're completely flipped. So when you know the NFL could possibly play with no fans, um, but I can't see the NCAA playing with with no fans because these schools and, and for most of the schools and the athletics budgets, the football at the football revenue powers the entire athletic department. They pay for the softball team, the lacrosse team, you know, all these non-revenue sports. The football revenue that's coming in pays for those to keep operating. So um, I'm, I, you're going to see a lot of sports cut. I saw, um, who was it the other day? There was a, a D1 school that cut their men's soccer team already. And, and so it, it, that's going to happen more and more, which is so sad. But um, I, I, I just don't know what's going to happen because it, it's, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. You know, if, if you have it, then it's safety. Uh, if you have the season, then it's you're putting everyone at risk. If you don't, then people are losing jobs and, and schools are, or sports are going to be cut. Um, and then if you have this, the, uh, the um, if you say you have football in the spring, okay, so then when's the 2021 season going to be? You know, are you going to go from they end that season in June and then their first game is all, already again in September? Um, the following September, you know, it's just kind of a snowball effect that this is going to affect everything for years and years to come, which is, it's just a crazy thought. Yeah, that's very well said. I'm just glad we're all doing our part and staying indoors because I want my football season in September. (laughs) So staying indoors and drinking beer. That's right. All right. So you guys got anything else to tag on to COVID talk here? I mean, no, thank you to all of our, you know, first responders and healthcare sure. workers and essential yep. workers. I mean, with without, you know, everything that you guys are doing, we, I mean, we'd be, we'd be fucked, honestly. So uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you for everything you're doing. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks. That's well said, Jack. Um, if nobody else, nobody has anything else to tag on here, um, I think we'll just sign off. So we'll say thanks for listening. Uh, follow us on Instagram, Twitter. Um, check us out on YouTube. Feel free to send us an email or something, blueby90 at gmail.com. And uh, other than that, go blue.